Hello and welcome to the Fantasy Football Trenches Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Jackson. With me, I've got my fellow co-host, the man who needs no introduction, the man who dads hide their daughters from, Aaron Yakel. Aaron, inaugural podcast, man. How's it going? How you feeling about this? <laughs> Super excited, Matt. Uh, honestly, there'd be no other person I'd rather be looking at at the moment other than the people sleeping in my house. Man, I, I couldn't agree more with you. Um, don't know why you picked me to do it because <laughs> not really sure how much help I can be, but you know I'm I'm glad to be doing this with you. I'm glad to finally finally get off the ground with our podcast, man. This has been this has been a time coming. We've been trying to get this together for a while now, so I'm glad we're finally able to sit down and get our first episode out of the way, man. Absolutely. Figure there's no place to start rather than starting in a news and notes section. Um, not really much news going on recently. Um, it's been pretty quiet since the end of the draft, but uh. One noteworthy thing, I think, is Spencer Ware, uh, former Chiefs running back, signed with the Indianapolis Colts. Aaron, does that do anything for you? Not off the bat. Uh, like we were saying before, before we hit record, I think it's more of a problem for Wilkins. But Hines has his role pretty carved out, and I'm all in on the Mac train. Yeah, I think uh, after the NFL draft, all the fantasy owners were pretty certain the Mac was going to be the bell cow running back in that offense, and I don't think Spencer Ware signing really does anything to that. Might cause problems for the Wilkins shares, but you know overall I think it's for more of a roster filler spot than it is anything. So, so tonight what we're going to do, guys, is just go over some of the landing spots in the NFL draft, go pick by pick to some of the uh, landing spots for all these uh, fantasy relevant guys, and just talk about how we think landing spots should dictate your fantasy drafts, and then what landing spots we like, which ones we didn't, and some of the headlines from the NFL draft, whether it be slides, guys taking a little too early. So to start us off at the first overall pick, uh, Kyler Murray goes to the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, big shocker there. I think everybody, that was the one pick that everybody pretty much saw coming. It's been, it had been rumored that that was going to be the pick for a few months now. So glad to know that that rumor mills finally shut down and Kyler Murray's officially going to be a Cardinal. Aaron, what do you think about that Kyler Murray draft? Does that pretty much makes Kyler the undisputed 1.01 in two QB leagues and Superflex, right? Absolutely. Uh, as an NFL fan, I'm excited to watch the Cardinals again for any reason other than David Johnson. Um, I was a fan of Rosen himself going into last year, so I'm excited to see what happens. Not necessarily beginning of the year, although there have been some reports saying he could be the starter by game one, but that remains to be seen. Uh, so it really does add life to uh, to the Cardinals again and hopefully to Rosen's career. Yeah, I just can't see personally Ryan Fitzpatrick beating out Josh Rosen in that offense, but who knows? Time will tell. For me, I think they really need to see if they have anything in Rosen before they go in for Tua or anyone else yeah. in next year's class. Completely agree with that. Me personally, I really like the Kyler Murray signing. You know, pairing Murray with Kingsbury, I think, is that's the perfect quarterback that he needed for that system. Adding his mobility to that offense should add a spark to the offense. Lord knows that the offensive line isn't going to block for him, so they're going to need a quarterback that can that can run around a little bit to, if anything, get that offense moving off the ground again. I think one noteworthy thing to talk about here is just how much help they gave him in the draft in the form of the offensive rookies that they drafted. They gave Kyler Murray a, a ton of help from the wide receiver front, so setting him up for success early and often, I would I would imagine. Absolutely. The my personal favorite they ended up grabbing near the uh, uh later rounds, the Hakeem Butler signing, gives them a tall, lanky uh target to just go up and get everything he can up in the air. And of course their first wide receiver to help him out on all the other uh, routes. What was the round that they started grabbing the wide receivers? Do you recall? Um, I believe it might have been round two. Round two, pick 30 with Andy Isabella, correct? Yes, yeah. So, yeah, it's uh, <laughs> paired with – oh, well, not paired, but along with Larry Fitzgerald and Christian Kirk should definitely have some outlets for your 101. Yep. So, moving on to the next pick at – 
pick six in the first round, the Giants surprised the fantasy world and the NFL world by selecting Duke quarterback Daniel Jones. Um, Aaron, just off the top of my head, you know, I just, when I was watching this, uh, first thing that came to mind was not why Daniel Jones, but why Daniel Jones at the sixth overall pick. I think general consensus was they could have gotten Daniel Jones with their second pick in the first round. So if that was truly the quarterback that the Giants were after, why the sixth overall pick? Because I didn't personally foresee him getting picked before the Giants' next pick. Did you? No, I did not. Uh, you know, they they can say they had the first on grade on him, so they're going to get him before anybody else was going to and get him. And I'll tell you, he knew for a fact somebody else was going to take him. But then you have those teams digging in that say they got who they got and that's who they wanted, whether it's Drew Locke later or who I think is the gift of the first round to the Redskins, Dwayne Haskins. Absolutely. You know, the, the, the fact that Dwayne Haskins, I think, slept, uh, slipped that far was a blessing, blessing in disguise for the Redskins because I think they were more than prepared to trade up and draft him. So the Giants drafting Daniel Jones really shook up that first round, in my opinion. But at the same time, it's not surprising because you know who his NFL comp is, correct? <laughs> Daniel Jones? Yep. Uh, would it be any of the other two they've drafted in the last couple of years? It would or be. The one, the, the one they're currently sitting in front of them? <laughs> yeah, the, the, the one currently sitting in front of them and, and one Eli Manning. Um, I think he's – I've heard several times him being copied Eli Manning. So, you know, I guess if I guess if that's what you're looking for, you know, somebody that can throw those short intermediate dump-offs to Saquon, you know. I did hear – I apologize. I don't remember who said it, but it made me laugh. The, uh, the best – comp for Daniel Jones was the person most likely to play Eli Manning in a movie. I did see that. I forget, forget who shared that picture, but it was a, it was was a picture shared on Twitter a while ago. I remember, I remember seeing that. So I think if anything, I I know you can't raise Saquon Barkley in your rankings any more than he already is, but (laughs) if anything, this should make his PPR value rise even higher than it already is with, with Daniel Jones throwing, throwing the jump dump off screens after Eli Manning decides that he's done playing for the Giants. Do you think it's just they have too much emphasis on whoever wins MVP of the Senior Bowl? Personally, yeah, I, I think that has something to do with it because the last two years they've they've drafted the MVP of the Senior, senior yeah. Bowl, am I correct? <laughs> yeah, Kyle Lalletta and Webb. Yeah, Davis Webb. Yeah, Davis Webb. I couldn't remember his first name. So irrelevant he's been. I guess if – if if that's what they feel is working for them, then they'll they'll continue to do it. I just I don't see how you see how drafting Daniel Jones at the sixth overall pick is a smart move in in, in anyone's eyes. I think Mr. Gettleman got a lot of flack for that. <laughs> He's used to it. Yes, he is. Uh, moving on at the eighth overall pick, the Detroit Lions selected one T.J. Hawkinson. Noteworthy news: This is the third first round tight end that the Giants have selected since two thousand nine. Um, Aaron, do you think this this is the, the this is the tight end that they finally hit on? My first thought was, oh no, another tight end ruined by the Lions. Might have been a little biased. I was hoping he would slip all the way to twelve, and then the Packers would uh, almost be forced to take him. But as it was, the Lions did take him. Second thought, looking into it more, realizing their coach did come from Belichick and how they have used their tight ends, what seems like forever now, it does seem like a good fit. Can I believe they're going to not do the same thing they did with their last tight end? I hope not. Back in 2014, the Lions did the same thing and drafted the first-round tight end and won for Eric Ebron. That experiment didn't work out too well. Ebron's no longer in Detroit anymore. He's now catching passes from Andrew Luck. And if you want to go back a little further, 2009, they drafted a first-round tight end in Brandon Pettigrew. So they've they've tried this several times since 2009, so I'm hoping one of them sticks. Um, TJ Hawkinson should find the field early and often. He's got excellent blocking ability, and his receiving game is through the roof. So he should he should find meaningful snaps early and often. Should be a should be a day-one starter, so... I love the landing spot for TJ Hawkinson personally. You know, Matt Stafford has shown at least the willingness to throw to his tight ends. So 
I think if they just get a good tight end that can get on the field and, you know, run run those sharp routes and one that has good hands, I think that this might be the tight end that actually ends up sticking. Uh, me personally, I've seen TJ Hawkinson go in around the 1.08 to 1.10 range in, in, my, in my rookie drafts this year, and I think that's right where I'd feel comfortable drafting him. As far as drafting him, I've said previously this year with the uncertainty, especially in a the old standard no no two QB league. If you're stacked at every other position and tight end is the spot you think held you out of the championship, get your guy and get TJ and have him carry you over. You know, one interesting fact of that is as fantasy owners, you know, we're always trying to guess who the next tight end one for the season's gonna be. So I've always been under the impression that get that stud tight end early. That way you don't have to guess at who's going to be your tight end one or who's just going to be a roster filler. You know, it's it's something that's really nice to have, to have a tight end in that position that you know is going to score points pretty frequently. So I hope that T.J. Hawkinson can one day turn into that tight end. You know, the next great I.O. tight end, we've seen it from George Kittle. We've seen it from tight ends in the past. So we hope that Hawkinson can be that next guy. Very true. If there's anything we've learned from the past, Lions, tight ends, Pettigrew and Ebron, if you go in on Hawkinson early, don't give up too much hope. They'll have a resurgence when they get traded. Also, make sure you keep in mind that tight ends do take a little time to develop. So don't give up in the first year after you see him catch about 200 yards and two or three touchdowns. Moving on at the 1.15, a pick that we discussed a little earlier, uh, the Redskins got their guy. Uh, Dwayne Haskins slipped a little bit, and – the Redskins capitalized on a falling quarterback that, in my opinion, is the was the quarterback two in this draft. Um, some can argue even the quarterback one based on his passing ability and his accuracy and all the stuff that comes with that. Aaron, do you like do you like uh, this Dwayne Haskins pick? Do you think this is this was basically this was basically a pick that they had to get right? It is. Uh, they've had well, they've screwed up, in my opinion. Uh, the quarterback situation for years uh, with tags and everything else. And they brought in Alex Smith last year. Unfortunately, he couldn't finish the season. So yeah, they did need to get this right. And with Dwayne Haskins going there and then later pairing him with his, one of his favorite targets in college, scary Terry, I think it's a match made in heaven and they're going to hit the door running hit the ground running, bust through the door. I agree. Just like the Cardinals gave Kyler Murray a ton of weapons, I think the the Redskins did the same thing. You know, they've got Darius guys coming back from that ACL tear. They've got an offensive line that ranked pretty close to top in the NFL last year, and then they've got uh, receiving weapons that they surrounded him with later in the draft that he should make full use of. So I, I really like this Dwayne Haskins pick here. I think that you know, you take him 1.02 in your two QP super flex leagues, and you know you just you lock that position in, and you're good to go. So at the next pick, the 20th overall pick in the first round, the Denver Broncos traded back with a uh, a trade that landed Pittsburgh, their one of their defensive players. They traded back to the 20th overall pick and drafted Noah Fant, another Iowa tight end in the first round. So I think, you know, Aaron, have you can you ever remember a time where Two tight ends were taken in the first round from the same school because I, I sure can't. Not in my recollection, no. But like you said, I was been churning them out. Uh, Font, Fant, Font, Noah was uh, talked about for a couple of years here, and Hawkinson I know stole the the thunder this year. But I am excited to see what Flacco can do again with the tight end uh, once healthy and. And I was a big user of Pitta when the two of them were connecting up. So if he can get his move tight end going again, then we should have some, some nice fireworks to see out in Denver. Are we calling Iowa tight end you now? Is, is that something that's, that's going to end up starting now? I mean, they've had George Kittle, they've they had T.J. Hawkinson, and now they've had, now they've had Noah Fant. So if, if any school is producing out the tight ends now, I'm, I'm going to trust that, that Iowa's producing out a good tight end. You know, one one, one thing Iowa. of note is – Flacco has, has always been a quarterback that's targeted his tight ends and he's used his tight ends heavily. 
Um, I personally like the Fant signing a whole lot more than I like the Hawkinson signing. I think in the road to immediate production, I think Fant's the guy that you need to target in your dynasty leagues. I think he's going to get targeted early and often from Flacco. Flacco's shown the willingness to go to his tight ends. He's shown the want to go to his tight ends. And I think this is one one landing spot that we as a fantasy community and we as a dynasty community need to be all in on. The only sad thing with the front signing, I can't get my son a butt jersey anymore. So, you know, I've, I've had Jake Butt on my taxi squad since he came <laughs> out. So th- this this hurts me. From way down deep inside. <laughs> yeah, it'll it'll be all right. I, th- I think in in several dynasty startups, I even drafted uh, I drafted Butt late as a late round flyer, and <laughs> you know that 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 drafting there really just it it broke my heart. <laughs> so it, uh, moving on at the twenty fourth overall pick in the first round, the Raiders took a guy that we pretty much envisioned for the last few weeks that that. This this guy was gonna end up landing here. It's it's Josh Jacobs, the running back from Alabama, lands with the Oakland Raiders, future all Las Vegas Raiders. So Aaron, Aaron, I know, I know for me personally, Josh Jacobs has always been my 101. Um, he's been my 101 through this entire process, and I don't think anything changes now that he's landed with the Raiders. I think of anything, he's he's solidified himself as 101 in non QB, non two QB, non super flex leagues. He's he's in a landing spot where he's gonna get three down work. He's going to be on the field pretty much every snap, from what I can imagine. And the Raiders have lost several of their running backs due to either retiring or injury. So, Josh Jacobs, one-on-one in my my mind. What do you think, Aaron? Is Gruden a genius, or are we just getting played? You know, it for, for, from one standpoint, drafting Josh Jacobs seems like a good signing, but then they took Cleveland Farrell in the top five picks. So one one could argue that he he's he's guessing, but he might just be a mad genius. I'm not sure. I guess I guess time will tell. You did have to bring up Cleveland, didn't you? I did. I couldn't couldn't go this podcast without bringing up Cleveland. No. Yeah. To your point, as far as being 101, you can easily argue him, argue for him as 101, even in superflex. If if you really are hitting running backs or in need, like you said, he's he's. Not going to have competition. I would like to say Chris Warren, last year's preseason darling, could have some work if everything went right with his rehab, but I just don't see him beating out Josh Jacobs for any real playing time. Yeah, and in PPR leagues, I think Josh Jacobs is, you know, he's shown the receiving ability in college. He's shown a knack for catching the ball and a knack for bulldozing through defenders. So I think he's got that Raider mentality of, the hard-hitting, hard-running running back. So I think Rudin's going to love love his signing here, his draft pick here, and I think he's really going to utilize Josh Jacobs as much as he can. <laughs> yeah, I really think it's going to be Derek Carr's best backfield that he's had. Yes, Marshawn Lynch, but a retired old rather-be-dancing-on-the-sideline Marshawn Lynch. So are we talking about a rise in Derek Carr and his value this season? I mean, he's got... He's got a new receiving core in Tyrell Williams and um, Mr. Antonio Brown from the Pittsburgh Steelers, and now he's got a, a new running back in the form of Josh Jacobs. Do we see a rise in value for, for Mr. Carr? I'm going to like taking him late if you're still in a redraft league. I can't see him going backwards with the best, arguably the best wide receiver in NFL and a very usable Tyrell Williams uh, to catch everything else deep. It saddened me that they, in my mind, kind of played Jordy Nelson a little wrong, but he can come back and retire a Packer. I'll be fine with that. That's that's your Packer heart speaking right there, though. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) So moving on, probably one of the most, arguably the biggest who cares pick of the draft. Their 25th (laughs) overall pick in the first round, Marquise Hollywood-Brown goes to the Baltimore Ravens. Aaron... What what are your initial thoughts about this? Do we completely avoid Marquise Brown in all of our rookie drafts because of this landing spot? Literally any other team would have been, in my mind, better. There was some talk that nobody was giving Lamar Jackson a chance last year as far as how he could stay in the pocket and 
and actually pass because he was confident in his running ability and he could always get away thrown in late last year. Did we get to really see any of that with the lack of wide receivers? Some would say that they had playing for them last year. They did go out and try to upgrade that this year. So could we see more passing from Lamar Jackson? It feels like they have 10 tight ends and they're just going to load up on the offensive line and push everybody around. But Marquise can fly. Agreed. You know, you can have, you can have Devonte Adams as your wideout position. If you can't throw the ball accurately, does it matter if you have the best wide receivers in the game right. that you're throwing the ball right. to? And for me personally, I just I haven't seen haven't seen Lamar Jackson show enough to me that he can be an accurate and competent quarterback, one that could utilize these new receivers that they've drafted. That just for for me personally, I'm not drafting Marquise Brown in any of my leagues. One, because I've seen him still go in the first round, and two, I just I can't stand the landing spot, and I'm not going to spend first-round right. capital on that. Yeah, there are – players really have to fit into two different categories, the ones you want on your team and the ones you're okay that if they explode on someone else's team, that's fine. They're not on yours. And Marquise Hollywood is definitely one of those players for me. I'll be okay getting beat by him if it turns out right for him. He seems like more of a – more of a best ball receiver to me than an, than an every week starter on your roster. A hundred percent. So moving on at the 32nd overall pick, the New England Patriots selected Mr. Nikhil Harry out of Arizona State. Now, I'll, I'll admit that my, my initial reactions to this were, oh great, uh, a, great a big time fantasy asset goes to the New England Patriots and he gets to catch passes from Tom Brady, but... Who knows how often Tom Brady's going to share that ball around. So, for me, I didn't initially like this like this draft pick because Tom Brady's always been one to share the rock and throw the ball to six or seven different receivers in the game. So, why, you know, why invest a, a high first in Nikhil Harry when he might not see that many targets? Now, after I sat down and thought about it a little bit, I happened to go and look at one big time wide receiver, one that that played that played for the Patriots. I think the last time that they had a, a big-time physical catch-the-ball-at-the-high-point receiver. I think you're shaking your head, and I think you know exactly where I'm going with here. I'm going with Mr. Randy Moss. The reason Brett Favre wanted out of the Packers was because we would not go and get Randy Moss. Little-known story, if you didn't know, there was almost a trade with the Raiders to send Aaron Rodgers out to the Raiders to get Randy Moss in the green and gold. Alas, it didn't happen. It's all in the past. But that year, if I'm not mistaken, was the record-setting year between Mr. Brady and Mr. Moss. And it was amazing watching those two just have fun and toy with everybody else. Are we at that stage of the career for Mr. Brady? TV 12 is going to live forever. I, I'm not yeah, putting I don't see him retiring anytime soon. Retirement. <laughs> But, man, I am excited for Harry catching passes from Brady. Gronk's retiring. Do they really have a tight end to fill the spot? Does it even matter? Belichick's always going to scheme for the players that he has. It's I've heard, I think it was perhaps Matt Waldman or Cecil Lamy, somebody said the Patriots are a positionless football team, and – they get as many players as they can to just play and they're going to scheme whatever they need to, to put their team on top. And I'm excited. So as a point of reference here, the three years that Randy Moss played for the new England Patriots, he amassed 250 receptions for 3,765 yards and 47 touchdowns. Now, Aaron, I don't want to say that, that the Nikhil Harry is going to be Randy Moss. I'm, I'm smart enough to know that, you don't call a rookie wide receiver, compare him to one of the greatest wide receivers to ever play the game. However, what I'm trying to say here is there are a ton of targets available in New England now. Rob Gronkowski is retired. Chris Hogan is now a wide receiver for the Carolina Panthers. And that receiver core is just absolutely decimated. So somebody's got to be catching passes. And I could see Nikhil Harry being the one to, to amass around the 70 catch 70 catch range, if not even more, you know? 
Yes. The you look at the past receivers that Belichick has taken, not in the first, but early Aaron Dobson and the like, and and while they didn't necessarily pan out, you did see Brady pepper him with targets early. It just turned out they couldn't catch him and it didn't work out. So I don't think it's going to be a an old man, young man, I don't want to throw to you situation and where's my best friend Edelman. I really see Brady giving him the opportunity to, to succeed and hopefully it works out. And if anything, the last year proved us with Sonny Michelle getting taken in the first round. Belichick is more than willing to give his first round players every opportunity in the book to be the be the full time starter. So Absolutely. I think the kill Harry here has all but solidified himself as the wide receiver one in your rookie drafts this year. Um, the next pick, all the way down in the fourth pick in the second round, possibly my favorite landing spot for my favorite player in this year's draft. Um, Debo Samuel lands with the San Francisco 49ers. Um, Aaron, I personally love this pick. Debo has been somebody that's grown on me through this entire process. I think that he could be somebody that succeeds in this offense. You know, he, he's been somebody that, that I've, only see rise up my boards the more I've watched film on him, and, and this landing spot does nothing but solidify the fact that he's he's going to be a guy that you need to take early in your rookie drafts and one that you'll be glad that you did. A noteworthy thing to add here is, um, personally for me, I don't know what you've seen, but I've seen Debo get taken as low as the, the 2.4 to 2.5 range in rookie drafts. Now, for me, that just screams value. Um, I don't see how he falls that low. And if that's where people are drafting that, I can see that I'm going to own a lot of Debo shares. So, Aaron, what do you think about this landing for the San Francisco 49ers? If you can get him that late, it's an absolute steal. Uh, if you were paying attention to Dante Pettis at all last year, you saw a player that really could play any position. And I think they got... Pettis 2.0 in, in Debo. There, you throw those two together with Jalen Hurd, who we might talk about a little later, and you really have a situation where Shanahan can can be the evil genius and just keep those three out on the field and throw them out in any package on any side of the field in, in X, Y, or Z, and the defense isn't going to know where they're going to end up because they can all play all three positions, not to mention Hurd could have some touches in the backfield as well if you really want to just keep them in there and shove them forward for two yards. Absolutely. You know, I think one thing that was very evident in Debo's tape was his ability to be an electrifying athlete, one that could score from any position on the field and one that could turn a five-yard five slant route into an 80-yard touchdown. So I think that Jimmy GQ will love throwing to this guy, and I think that this will be – this will be a connection that I'll love watching. I know I'll, I'll personally love watching this connection for, for years and years because I'm, I'm getting a ton of Debo shares here just because of how late he's going. So I, I love this pick. I, this might have just solidified Debo as, as my wide receiver, too, in this, in this year's class. I, I don't see him falling any lower than that for me. Yeah, I can't fault you at the, at the wide receiver, too, at all. So moving on to pick 10. Um, the Broncos got their guy. Um, they waited patiently, and they took they took their, their 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 tight end in the first round, and were content to sit there and wait for their quarterback. And it just so happens that that Drew Locke ended up coming back to them in the second round, and they they, they scooped him up. So in the, with the tenth overall pick in the second round, Drew Locke is now a Denver Bronco. Aaron, what do you what are your initial thoughts about this? I was surprised. I mean, I I did feel like they were going to get Drew Locke in the first. So the, the fact that it worked out for them uh, seems to be nice. John Elway does have a type. I don't know that it's necessarily worked out for him in the past. I guess that remains yet to be seen with Drew Locke. But if there's a team that I kind of like watching suffer, it's the Broncos. Again, that's my Packer heart preaching a little bit, but Man, they've had a dry run of quarterbacks lately, and it'll be nice, hopefully, in a year or two to see that return in a young possible stud, and they can run with it for a couple of years. Absolutely. You know, didn't, didn't Drew Locke worked out with the uh, Broncos during the Senior Bowl week, did he not? I believe so, yeah. 
So this is this is what my, my match made in heaven and what I think John Elway had envisioned since the start of this draft process. So I'm glad he ended up getting his guide. You might you might have to wait a year or so to actually use them, but I'm I'm more than comfortable to stash them on the back of my bench on my taxi squad and patiently wait, you know, to use them. You know, one thing in uh Superflex and two QB leagues, I just I want to touch on this real quick is Drew Locke is, is going you know, in two QB and super flex leagues, I'm seeing him going top to mid of the second round. You know, for me personally, I think, so, you know, super flex in two QB leagues, your, your quarterbacks are your prime position. If we saw anything from this draft, it's that the the landing spots for some of these guys really muddied up the waters in this draft, and no one's really sure who should be a top five pick and who should be, you know, who should be bottom of the first round or early, even early into the second round. You know, we just see guys getting drafted all over the place. So for me, if I'm going to take a gamble and I'm going to take a guy that I want some upside out of, it, I'm taking Drew Locke in the top of the second round every time in my Superflex leagues because that's where the value's at. I agree. Uh, I think we've, we've mentioned our distrust in Daniel Jones, uh, but Drew Locke is – number three for me as well. And and if you can secure, like you said, the, the most important position in a super flex at the top of the second, you're doing pretty good. The aforementioned Daniel Jones for me is an even a consideration until at least QB five. Agreed. Uh, moving on at the 18th overall pick in the second round, Irv Smith goes to the Minnesota Vikings. What does this mean for Kyle Rudolph to you, Aaron? Do you think that, He's bound for bound for free agency, or do you think he's he's going to get traded? What do you where do you think this is going to end up headed? If I remember correctly, I I don't believe it's a very hard contract for them to get out of. I don't know if that's this year or the next year. I but either know. way, I I don't think Rudolph is there past this coming year, and it's going to be Irv Smith Jr. Most likely early and and often even into this year. Uh, there was talk that he could even come hotter out of the gate more so than Hawkinson. You didn't get to see that all that much in Alabama, but he is a talent. That's for sure. And in the past, the Vikings have used their tight end very well. We'll remain to be seen if, if he supplants Rudolph right away though. I just looked it up and Rudolph is a free agent after this 2019 season. Um, They could cut him. Cut him today, and they would take a seven point six million dollar cap hit. So not too tied up into tied end up into Mr. Rudolph. So this is bound to be Irv Smith's tight end room for the foreseeable future. Absolutely. What do you think about the Patriots not getting one of the top three tight ends this year? I think everything that we saw pointed to the fact that they were going to draft at least Irv Smith, if not one of these other tight ends to replace Gronkowski. Do they feel comfortable with their tight end room or did, was was the price point just not right for them? I think it was the spot possibly at which Noah Font even was taken. Uh, Austin's Ferrian Jenkins is leading their tight end room Correct. right now. I mean, he was a name early on that you were hoping would catch on, but He's never done anything for me. I don't know about you. No, no I, I can't see him being the necessary, necessarily the heir apparent to Gronk. But I am surprised that they didn't, yeah, they didn't fall to the Patriots, but that they didn't make a move for him. Who's to say they didn't try to do, but uh, it it is one of the more bigger questions that I've had coming out of it. I've had a lot of questions coming out of this draft. This is a, this is a draft that I didn't really didn't really see coming with all these landing spots, but definitely the Patriots not drafting a tight end was 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 one of my biggest questions. Moving on, 19th overall pick in this in the second round, another landing spot that, if anything, left me scratching my head. AJ Brown goes and joins Corey Davis as a Tennessee Titan. Marcus Mariota has not showing the ability to utilize Corey Davis to, to what we thought his true potential was. Do we think that this changes with A.J. Brown, or does it now just murk, murk up the waters even more than they already were? A.J. Brown was the pre-draft darling for a lot of well-respected 
in my mind, well-respected uh, fantasy rankers. And there were two spots you didn't want to see people going, wide receivers. And that was the Ravens and Tennessee. Some could blame Fleur's offense last year, but I'm not going to place the blame there because I'm still hopeful he's a genius. But I, I can't be excited for A.J. Brown. There's there's still hope for Corey Davis. And if you can't feed one amazing wide receiver, how are you going to feed two? Until Mariota is either replaced or has the light bulb turn on, I'm unfortunately staying away from A.J. Brown. You could draft him for talent and hope within three years he has an explosion, but I'm not seeing it currently. So I'm going to give you something to think about here. Marks Mariota's contract's up at the end of this year. If he doesn't perform to what the Titans' expectations were when they originally drafted him, and he doesn't put up the stats or give them the wins that, that they were wanting, I don't think he's, in my mind, he hasn't performed nearly to what they expected when they drafted him. Do they move on and join the tank for two of sweepstakes? I think it depends on their record early on, if they can see it not being a uh, stellar year, why not? Like you said, they're already at the the end of the rookie life contract for Mariota. Cut bait and, and cash in on the sweepstakes that's waiting for us in 2020. So if A.J. Brown falls, are you suggesting that you pick him up in hopes that they get a new quarterback sometime in the future, or are you just letting him fall? I think that's the best case scenario, but then you're looking at a possible rookie coming in right off the bat in a, there's a reason the team's picking early kind of team. You know, you're still going to, in my mind, wait till year three, at least, you know, second year of the new quarterback, if everything's right before he's returning what clearly the talent of AJ Brown should be able to return. Yeah. I just don't see I don't see the pick of A.J. Brown in your rookie drafts here cashing in anytime soon. And this is one landing spot that that left me scratching my head and one that I, I couldn't have hated more from from someone that loved A.J. Brown this entire process. So this, this is one that I just couldn't stand. Uh, moving on at 21st pick in the second round, my hometown Philadelphia Eagles drafted Miles Sanders. Um I'm going to tell you right now, um, I was I was at the draft this year and got to see got to watch this pick live. And, man, Aaron, I couldn't have been more stoked for us to land this running back. Um, we haven't had a three-down back since LaShawn McCoy was very ruthlessly traded by he who should not be named. Um, so, you know, this this was a spot that, that I loved um, for Miles Sanders and one that I loved for the Philadelphia Eagles organization. They finally get their three down back. You know, Doug Peterson has not had, had a back of this capability and of this skill set since he's been the Philadelphia Eagles coach. So could we possibly see uh, an end to the running back by committee of Philly? I think you're going to see it, and I think you're going to see it sooner than later. Badger boy Corey Clement is still there. I don't think he's even going to come close to cutting in. Some people will say, well, yeah, it's been running back by committee every year under Peterson. But like you said, who have they had? You know, they've, you they've, 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 they've never had the draft, the, the guys that can do three down Correct. work. <laughs> you, can, you can try and say J.J., but that was mid-year. And it was once his knees started kicking in as well. I'm excited to see what Miles can do. I personally drafted him in our, was in our DHH league, traded for him. And I'm ready to rock and roll with them. You know, I heard somebody say a while ago, making the argument of not drafting Miles Sanders, well, he's only had one year of production in college. How do you know that, that he's even got the, the, the chops to be a three-down back? Or how do you know he's going to succeed in the NFL? And, and to that, I like to say, well, look who he was sitting beside. You know, not many people are going to get meaningful snaps sitting behind Saquon Barkley. And I think that if he would have gone to any other school other than Penn State, we would have seen – a lot more of Miles Sanders and could have even potentially seen a higher draft spot from him. Absolutely. He's the, uh, the, the Aaron Rodgers of running backs. You can't beat out the, 
the goat, so you got to sit and wait your time. So with the with the next pick in this draft, one that uh, we're going to stay with the same team here, the uh, Philadelphia Eagles waited a few spots and drafted J.J. Arcega-Whiteside out of Stanford. Um, my initial thought to this um, was a little confusing, if, if we're being honest here. You know, if you look at Arcega-Whiteside's skill set, he, he is very similar to, to one Alshon Jeffrey that, we just recently signed to a to a big contract extension, so going out and getting another Alshon Jeffrey left me a little confused. But at the same time, it it begged me to ask a question of what happens to Nelson Aguilar now? Does he get traded? Does does he eventually get cut? You know what what are you, what are your thoughts about this? <laughs> My first thought was J.J. Arcega-Whiteside is basically a fat, fast tight end, so it was perfect for Carson Wentz because he loves throwing to earth so much. Um, but but you're right. I have heard him uh, comped very closely to Alshon Jeffrey, some even saying that Alshon Jeffrey could be out the door next year and J.J. is his immediate replacement. Until then, they have – Played with Nelson Aguilar both inside and outside in the past. Does it possibly push him in inside permanently with both uh, uh, JJ Arcega Whiteside and Alshon Jeffrey on the outsides? So with, with this signing, I, I've got to imagine they've got to they've got to be running more five wide receiver sets, right? Because right. So if you look at if you look at it, they've got Alshon Jeff on the outside and um. They've got their two tight ends in Gertz and or Ertz and Goddard. Um, if you put if you put Nelson Aguilar in the slot, you know I just don't see where this leaves room for Arcega Whiteside unless somebody's out the door. Correct. Um, if anything, for me this this really makes me makes me look at Carson Wentz earlier in my Superflex startups than, than I initially was. Eagles bias here. I'm drafting him a little earlier than most people are anyway, but. He's now got the weapons to put put up even better stats than, than he was in his in his ACL tear season where he was considered a uh, front runner for the MVP. What was his injury last year? Refresh my memory. I want to say off the top of my head that it was a uh, it was a back injury. I'm not entirely yeah. sure that's what it was, so don't quote me on that. I believe so. So are we hearing everything fine? That's why they got rid of Nick. Um, from what on Wentz. From what from what I'm hearing, he should be back by the time of training camp. Now, does he re-aggravate it during training camp, or does he get another fluke injury and all of a sudden we're looking for a new quarterback? I don't think that would end up happening, but it's something to keep an eye on. All right. So, moving on at the 27th overall pick in the second round. Can we uh, hit on Mikael Hardman? Yeah, you go ahead and hit on him real quick. All right. Um, I want to say this. Has the writing on the wall of uh, they're going to move on from Tyreek, and they get their not a one for one replacement, but definitely someone that can fill a role that they need for that offense to continue the lights out production that they had this year. It, it's going to keep the the door open for Kelsey. It's going to keep. Watkins able to be what Watkins has been, uh, not fully fulfilling his potential, but being a very useful wide receiver too. And uh, I think they were able to, by moving up to get Nicole, get a, a wide receiver that's not going to have them skip a beat. Um, Nicole Harbin definitely fits the Tyreek role in that offense. Um, he's got the speed to succeed. You know, they've seen them. Very, very successfully use those speed wide receivers and, and turn them into bona fide wide receiver ones. And they've got the quarterback to do it in Patrick Mahomes. So I think he's an interesting pick here. I didn't didn't watch much tape, if we're being honest, on Michael Harmon because I didn't see him going as early as he did. So I'm, right. he's one guy that I'm looking forward to go back and watching the tape and seeing if I see what he does to – to, to really give himself this high draft stock or if it's just something they're doing to fit a, fit a hole and to fit a need. Right. I like One of the things I like doing is, as far as a tiebreaker situation, when I'm looking at two players, is is to pay attention to the ones that the team's traded up for. And 
for them to go up and grab their guy does, in my mind, solidify his spot in that in that offense, especially when we're wanting to compare him to somebody I'm very high on as well, in the uh, individual you're about to go to in Paris Campbell. So I'm seeing McCall Harmon go anywhere from the mid to late first in rookie drafts this year. Are you comfortable drafting him there, or do you think that's a little high for him? I'd be more comfortable in the second. Um, but if I'm drinking all the Kool-Aid of Mahomes and he can be anywhere close to who he was last year, I'm okay taking that chance and seeing if they're going to gel like they should. But, yeah, I'm more comfortable in the, the early second. But if he's sitting there for me and everyone else I was hoping would fall to me, I'll take him. There is a ton of targets available. So I know we preach targets in the New England offense. Um, you've got Kareem Hunt that, that's no longer a Kansas City Chiefs. He's on the Browns serving that suspension. And you've got Tyreek Hill who, for all intents and purposes, is might not see another snap in the NFL again. So tons of targets available, and, and he's going to get a chance to – get a chance to produce early. So at the uh, 27th overall pick in the second round, the Colts picked Paris Campbell out of Ohio State. Um, initial reactions, I think, to this were were, were one of, of why, because I heard a lot of people compare Paris Campbell to T.Y. Hilton on the outside. For me, I don't exactly see that. I think T.Y. Hill, Hilton can work that short to intermediate game, and Paris Cam- Campbell can work the work the go routes and can can take the top off the defense and be a wide receiver that Andrew Luck can really utilize. So I think just in all the tape that I've watched on Paris Campbell, I think that they complement each other's skill sets well, and I think he's going to be a pick that the, the, the Colts utilize very, very well and, and one that Andrew Luck's going to love throwing the ball to. Yeah, I think you're going to see a lot of mirrored routes with Paris and T.Y. and one of them running up the right, one of them running up the left. And Andrew Luck just taking his choice as to which side he wants to throw. With them signing Devin Funches, he's obviously the opposite of the 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 down-the-field burner. So he's going to be, if everything works out right, he's going to be cleaning up everything short. What I'm sad as far as Paris Campbell being there is the possibilities for Deion Kane, which I was trying to stash everywhere. I'm still interested to see the the pecking order for the four of them, including Devin Funches coming out of training camp, not giving hope yet on Deion Kane. Agreed. I think he, Deion Kane was one that flashed pretty early in preseason last year and then had that gruesome injury. So I think he's one that we should keep our eye on this year as, as a, as a late round flyer and one that could make himself known um, given the right situation. This is one of the landing spots that I think we were looking forward to seeing a wide receiver go. And I think Paris Campbell was, the right one in my eyes to go here. I, I love this pick by the by the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, moving on at the 30th overall pick in the second round, um, Kyler Murray gets his first receiving weapon to throw the ball to in Andy Isabella. What do you think initially about this pick, Aaron? Do you, do you like it? Do you think that it's a good fit? Um, what, 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 what did you think when you, when you saw this pick? I think the – the coupling of, of him and, and Hakeem Butler to the Cardinals, I'm more excited about the two of them as a pair. Uh, Isabella is one of those guys in the early pre-draft mocks that would always get picked before I was expecting him to get picked. And it, so I, am I surprised that the Cardinals' first wide receiver were taken? Not necessarily just because he was, you know, getting touted, but, like you said about Nicole Hardman, Isabella is one of them that I'm going to go back and watch some more tape on just to, to see what I am going to expect over Christian Kirk or, or old man savior, Larry Fitzgerald. I think if anything, all these receiving weapons that the Cardinals got, the only thing that it, that it really did was, was hurt all of those shares of the, uh, the, the, the tight end that they have there, forget his name now, I'm blanking on Ricky his name. Ricky Seals-Jones. Ricky Seals-Jones, thank you, yeah. I think, if anything, all the signings of all these offensive players really hurts my shares of Ricky Seals-Jones. I don't yeah. I don't see him getting any meaningful stats now with all the receiving weapons that they have. 
Did you get to watch any of Klingsbury's offense when he was in college? I did not, no. Yeah, I, I, preseason's going to be fun for me as far as that whole offense, just to see what the hype is about. And like you said, where where does Ricky Seals-Jones fall? And, and really all four of the wide receivers in the pecking order again. It's something new to see down there in the Southwest. I think of anything that raises the stock of Kyler Murray and really makes the water, the waters of the wide receiver core a little muddy until we can see them in preseason and see them in training camp and really see what they're doing there. Finally, I think one of the surprising picks in this draft or one of the surprising storylines in this draft was DK Metcalf. You know, I think, and, and this is something that really shows the discrepancy between fantasy Twitter and actual GM's mindsets. You know, many, many people in the fantasy community were touting DK as an early first-round pick, possibly to the Baltimore Ravens, and one that is taken in the top five picks of your rookie drafts. Well, it wasn't until the 32nd overall pick in the second round that Mr. Metcalf went off the board to the Seattle Seahawks. Um, the slide stops at the Seattle Seahawks, but still an interesting interesting slide because I don't think anybody, myself included, me, me or you included, saw this slide coming. Certainly not this far back. The knock that I kept hearing on DK was that he would only play on one side of the field. Could he catch anything else besides that one side? And the not-so-stellar agility numbers at the combine. Yeah, I heard, I heard he just finished his three-cone. He may still be running. However, it's seemingly every day since the rookies reported. I have seen a clip out of Seahawks training camp with how agile DK can be. And was it the one that he caught that ball off the sidelines after, after running a few in and out yeah, breaks? Exactly. And then I saw one this, this afternoon. It was uh, probably 35 seconds long, and it, it was just uh, about five routes in a row. And, you know, they were all five different routes of him catching the ball. And I almost retwe- retweeted it out saying, oh, maybe he can catch over you know, the entire field. But I think <laughs> if the reports of Baldwin possibly being done, pairing DK with Tyler Lockett, is going to be a, a fun pairing. Uh, Tyler Lockett's a, a route tree specialist, and you put the size and speed of DK next to him on the other side, it's going to have some nice targets for for uh, Russell Wilson to, to choose from. I'm going to be very, um, very careful with, with the way that I word this and the way that I, that I value DK here. Um, DK has never been a wide receiver that I was very high on um, this entire process. And there, I'm starting to realize now there might be a chance that he might be preparing to make me eat these words. Um, <laughs> you know, he's, got, he's definitely got all the tools to, to succeed in the NFL. I don't think anybody has ever argued that he doesn't have the physicality or, you know, the just raw athletic freak build to, to succeed in the NFL. It'll just be a matter of if he can show that he can he can get in and out of his breaks quickly and if he, you know, shows the pairing and the chemistry with Russell Wilson. I think time will tell that and he might be uh, might be a wide receiver that makes the entire dynasty community eat their words. Yeah. I mean it, I've been in dynasty leagues long enough that I can remember a player by the name of David Boston who came out ripped and shredded and the most definition in a, in a man's body that you'd ever seen before. And it turned out he was stiff and he couldn't get in and out of his breaks. And he was hopeful that didn't turn out anywhere. So that when I started hearing some David Boston comps, I was getting worried about DK, but yeah, watching him move, you're very right. He he could be making a lot of people eat words. So for the sake of running long-winded here, I know we're already about an hour in. Uh, what I want to do now was just hit on some of the picks from the third round on that, that we liked, some of the good landing spots we liked, and some of the things that we were a little surprised by. So, Aaron, what was give – me, 
give me two or three landing spots that, that you really liked in this draft that occurred third round and on. You know, there's two right off the bat. Third round, I was, I was really excited. Um, pick two and three of the third round. Deontay Johnson, uh, Pittsburgh. If you follow the, the train, there was a um, – I'm drawing a, a blank right now on the player that was a malcontent um, before Antonio Brown. It's Antonio Holmes, I believe it was. Yeah. He was grumpy, and they traded him. And one of the picks they got for Antonio Holmes, they turned in Antonio Brown, sixth round. Antonio Brown gets grumpy, trade him, they let him go. And the pick, they turn into Deontay Johnson. And I think that you're going to see a, a full circle wheel, as it were, and they're just going to lock and load another wide receiver. My fear is that all of my James Washington love just gets split between the two of them, and I don't know who to play if they end up on my team at the same time. Right behind Deontay is Jalen Hurd, that third all-around player for Shanahan in the San Francisco offense. I really think he's going to have more fun just throwing the, the three of – of Pettis and Debo and Jalen Hurd around on the field and just letting the defense throw fits, trying to figure out who they're going to cover. Agreed. You know, I want to, I want to touch on Deontay Johnson for a second. You know, Pittsburgh has always shown a, a knack for drafting wide receivers that people were potentially low on and, and turning them into, turning them into bona fide wide receiver ones and, and top wide receivers in the league. You know, if you look at, Antonio Brown, he was drafted in the sixth round, I believe. Um, if you look at Juju Schuster, he was drafted a little later than, you know, people would have imagined. And, you know, he, he was a late-round wide receiver that was taken that not many too, not too many people were high on. You know, so could, could this be the next wide receiver that, that they turn into a, a great fantasy asset? Yeah, where, uh, where New England has admitted they don't, or haven't scouted wide receivers very well in the past, Pittsburgh makes up for it. They see wide receiver talent and they know how to use it. Yes, they've had some mistakes as well, but if they're, again, trading up to get them, I'm, I'm on them. I'm in that train and you can sit next to the conductor's chair and ride with me. Yeah, I might be all in on that with you too. Um, one of the ones I want to talk about, you go all the way down to the 11th pick in the third round. Um, Devin Singletary gets drafted to the Buffalo Bills. Initially, a lot of people were, were low on Singletary immediately after his combine. Nobody really liked the, uh, the measurables and the uh, testing that he put up. Um, for me included, I was one of those guys. But, you know, getting drafted to the Buffalo Bills, um, does he have a path to immediate snaps now? You know, LaShawn McCoy is getting older. You've got T.J. Yeldon on that team, but who else really is there that's going to compete compete for immediate snaps? Yeah, you got Grandpa McCoy and Grandpa Gore sitting on the chairs in front of them. Some reports are saying LaShawn McCoy might even get traded before camp ends. Devin Singletary is my baby daddy. He, I've been a fanboy since the first clip I saw of him at Florida Atlantic. He is He's somebody that's very fun to watch. Yes, he didn't have the best numbers at the Combine, but, man, can he make a tackler miss. And you hear uh, for, uh, for a lot of running backs, the 40 time isn't necessarily the most important thing. It's what can you do when there's five guys barreling down on you. And if you can make one, two, three of those guys miss, give me that every day. Agreed. Uh I think one, one, one of the guys that really speaks to that was uh, Kareem Hunt when he came out and got drafted and participated in the combine. I think his 40 time was, was around the 4-6 range, and that yeah. hasn't really seemed to hinder him in his path to success in the NFL. I think me too, for, uh, for Singletary, what I really like about him is just his draft stock that we're seeing right now. Um, I just recently had a rookie draft in um, one of my home leagues and got him in the mid-second. So yeah. for for me, I'll take that all day, every day. Yeah. Admittedly, I've taken him at least three times already this spring, and I've gotten him anywhere from the 203 to the 206, if not 207. 
So that's just if you want to if we're drafting for value, that's that's one of the value picks that yeah. you really gotta look look at. I've I've got three. I hope that's okay. Um, yeah, I don't want to don't want to steal your thunder or anything like that. But uh, I'm gonna go all the way down to the fourth round here, um, for a second, and I want to talk about the eleventh pick in the fourth round. Um, Justice Hill from Oklahoma State goes to the Baltimore Ravens. That this was a pick for me that. So the Baltimore Ravens showed that they were content running the ball early and often last year. Um, I love Justice Hill's landing spot here. I think he's going to produce very nicely for the Baltimore Ravens. I think he's going to pair well with Lamar Jackson's rushing ability, and I think those two are going to form a pretty formidable tandem in, in the rushing department in the NFL this season. How do you see him comparing to Ingram? Um, so from, from, from this entire process, I've looked at Justice Hill as a complimentary change of pace back and, and one that, that he, he's a shifty runner and he's one that has a quick change of direction and gets, gets out of his breaks pretty, pretty quickly. And it's, you know, it's, just, it's pretty to look at. So, you know, where Ingram is that power runner, I think that Justice Hill is going to compliment him nice and be that change of pace speed back that, that, that we saw in, in, uh, come on. Kamara, yeah, saw in, yeah. That, we, that we saw in Kamara with the uh, with the Saints there. So I, I love this pick, and I think that he, he could almost play a similar skill set, not that I want to sit here and call him Alan Kamara. Right, but definitely the lightning to Ingram's thunder. I can see something nicely with the, the uh, not necessarily the Wildcat setting up, but a, a situation where you have a speedy Lamar Jackson, the speedy Justice Hill, and the, the defense, again, not knowing – which side the ball's actually gonna gonna be coming to and, and running up? Uh, for my last pick, I'm gonna go I'm gonna go really deep here for a second and and talk about a guy that I think slipped further than anybody could have even began to imagine that he was gonna fall. Um, just another example of the uh, dynasty Twitter uh, community and actual NFL GMs having a very different evaluation process for for this year's rookie class. With a conditional pick in the sixth round, the 34th pick in the sixth round, um, Kelvin Harmon goes and joins Mr. Dwayne Haskins as a Redskin. This was this was a pick that definitely surprised all of um, all of fantasy Twitter. Not because of the landing spot, because of how far he fell. Um, I think Kelvin Harmon was ask anybody pre-draft process. Kelvin Harmon was being touted as a top five pick in this draft. So for him to land in the sixth round, I think shook the fantasy community and fantasy community to its core. This is the one that, that I was shocked by as well. Uh, I thought Hakeem Butler's slide was, was bad enough. And then I looked and, and there you saw Calvin Harmon name sitting right next to him and, and his name kept sliding. That being said, I, I do like his spot with Dwayne Haskins as well. They, they haven't had that star step forward there. And now with with Kelvin and and uh, Scary Terry, I can see some some excitement in their wide receiver core again. And if they can get it going, it, it should be fun to watch for a long time. So does does draft spot matter in this particular situation, or is, is it more the landing spot and the the empty receiving core that we're looking at here? To me, it's it's the where they're going. Wide receivers, I heard Matt Waldman say, is is one of the hardest. It has the widest variance to scout. We can like someone because they do everything, like a, a like a previously mentioned Dante Pettis and and Debo Samuel. They they do everything well. But if a team is looking for a particular set of skills. Do they, are they looking for someone that can high point the ball well versus someone that can run across the middle and and catch the short yards and and get all the yards after after the catch? They they start whittling down to you know maybe ten ten five guys, and if they're content and letting them fall, just because they're falling doesn't mean they're not going to be very useful for what they're specifically looking for. Agreed. Well, guys, I think that. Might just wrap us up for our first inaugural episode, Aaron. Um, I'm I'm excited to see where this podcast goes, and I'm just excited to get to hang out and talk fantasy with you guys, uh, with you and just for the community out here. Um, 
I hope you guys enjoyed this. I hope you guys join us next week. I think we could potentially be doing a rookie mock next week. Um, we'll definitely tweet that out and, and let you guys know what to expect next week. But we appreciate you hanging out with us this week and hope that you join us again soon. Um, once again, um, I'm Matt Jackson. You can find me at DHH underscore Matt. Aaron, where, where can the people find you? You can find me at Yakenbake, uh, Y-A-K-E-A-N-B-A-K-E. And, yeah, if you get a chance to hear us, let us know <laughs> what you think. Be kind. Uh, stick with us. We'll, we promise we'll, we'll get more comfortable better and uh, hopefully have some fun along the way. We promise we'll smooth it all out <laughs> the, the more we do this. and.